Welcome to Mastering Your Happiness podcast. I'm your host, Usna Living, a stress management trainer and cancer survivor. This podcast is here to equip you with life-changing skills so you can finally live a happy and fulfilling life. Hi, welcome to today's show where we talk about anxiety. I know that this is something most of us have experienced. In fact, everyone has experienced some form of anxiety. But let's begin by acknowledging that we do have two sides or categories when it comes to anxiety. There is situational anxiety on one side and we also have the disorders. This episode has been planned out in a way that we are going to begin by looking at the situational anxieties, then figure out when it does become a disorder. We will also look at the types of disorders, what are some of their causes, the signs, and lastly, how to cope. What are situational anxieties? Just from the name, these are moments where you feel on age, there is general tension, and depending on your normal stress response, you might be having maybe some sleeping difficulties, there is intense rumination where you're overthinking, and the general system is on overdrive. To some extent, situational anxiety can be justified because it only happens when you're dealing with a stressful situation. It's not how your body normally feels on a normal day. And I'd give an example, just beginning of last week, I came across a conversation on the economic crisis that's currently facing my country. And in it, they were talking about what's going to happen in the next few years, how it's not safe to have money in the banks with the recession coming. And this information had me on the roof. And to say that I was scared is an understatement. I had a lot of mental and physical tension. So that is a form of situational anxiety. And this type of anxiety is normal and somewhat necessary because it motivates you to look for solutions and resolve potentially distressing situations. But when not properly handled, it can give birth to accelerated forms of anxiety. When do we call it a disorder? If you are unable to handle the trigger, and we'll talk more about triggers when we look at the types of disorders, but when you cannot handle the triggers, then that's a sign that you could be dealing with that disorder. Another thing to look at is the duration. How long are these signs of distress and tension lasting? If they last for more than two weeks, that's also a sign. Another thing you can look at is how it's affecting the quality of your life. Is the distress causing problems to you, you being able to carry out your day-to-day activities? How is it affecting you? What is the extent of the effect and what is the price that you're paying so far, be it emotional or psychological, but just generally, what is the effect that this anxiety is having on your life? We have five widely recognized anxiety disorders that are diagnosable in a clinical setup. The first one is general anxiety disorder, where there is general body tension that has lasted more than two weeks. Your body is tense. You could be having sleeping problems. You could be having insomnia, rumination and overthinking for more than two weeks. That could be general anxiety disorder. We also have PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder that stems from a traumatic experience like accidents, someone who underwent an assault, uh, even for children who've been raised in violent homes. We also have the third disorder, which is panic disorder, whereby the individual has these intense, short-lived episodes of anxiety. And they seem to come from nowhere. The person just has an attack whereby they're having difficulties breathing. There is increased heartbeat and usually no trigger. 
that is panic disorder. We also have OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. And no, it's not about being clean or love arranging your things in a certain way. The main character in OCD is someone who has a behavior that contains a ritualistic aspect to it. They have rituals like repetitive cleaning or checking of certain things, you know, repetitively checking that they've closed the door a certain way. They need to count a certain number, maybe odd or even numbers. It is then accompanied by feeling like something bad will happen if they don't give in to the urge of engaging in these rituals. And then lastly, we also have phobic disorder whereby there is intense fear and avoidance of certain things such as people, environment or objects. These are the five most widely recognized types of anxieties, but we also have acute anxiety. And I also did an episode on uh, fear of recurrence, which is a type of anxiety for people with illnesses that have that capability of recurring. Once again, I did it some time back for cancer patients. And some of these signs that we are talking about could be emotional, like excessive worry, unfounded fear, tension, irritability, you know, always feeling like something bad is about to happen, having disastrous thoughts or being preoccupied with a particular issue. And some symptoms could also be behavioral, things like excessive sweating. We also have nail biting, tension, headaches, stomach upsets, poor sleep patterns, insomnia, palpitations like in panic disorder and many other physical symptoms. I think when you come across information on disorders, the first thing you always ask yourself after understanding what the disorder is, is what causes these disorders. And for some people, it's in their genes. And this is a whole new territory that I will not delve into today. But in a nutshell, if someone's parents have some form of anxiety, then they might inherit it too. And research has shown this to be true. We have a study where a phobia was created in an experimental rat. And for the few generations that came from that specific rat, they all had the same phobia, although it was never created in them. It's an evolution thing. It's got more to do with gene memory. But that doesn't mean that they will definitely have anxiety disorders. For others, there could be environmental causes. Maybe there was a traumatic event. There was a loss involved, adverse childhood conditions. For some, it could also be psychological. Someone might be dealing with unfinished business in the subconscious mind. Uh, someone else could be having irrational thinking and beliefs, having thoughts such as the world is unfair, people just don't like me, I need to be able to predict life, and so on. I think that before we look at the skills and techniques that one needs, we need to build a foundation with one principle in life that life is uncertain. You never know what's going to happen. You never will. And you never have. How comfortable are you with that? Because whether you accept this or not, that's, that's how life is. I know that the nature of the mind is that it wants to predict. In fact, it wants to be certain. But that's not how life works. Just have that principle in life that life is uncertain for everyone. Now that we have that as our foundation, we can then look at how to cope with anxiety. Let's begin with situational anxiety. If you are dealing with a distressing situation, the first thing you need to do is acknowledge your feelings and ask what exactly is it that you're scared of. You don't need to spiral into overthinking. Just 
make a note of what it is that needs your attention. Are you concerned about your safety? You know, be it financial, spiritual, emotional. What is it that makes your body tense? What is it that makes your mind feel that it's in danger and activates this stress response? So find solutions to those specific questions that you have by talking to someone with more knowledge. And in my case, after reading on the Lumi economic crisis, I spoke to friends of mine who happen to be brilliant people. When it comes to matters, finances and economics, we addressed my concerns and they provided solutions. I also spoke to a friend who analyzes politics and we were able to de-escalate the tension that I was feeling. So get clear on what exactly that you're scared of and then look for solutions around it. Talk to people who seem like they have more information on the subject. The second one is mindfulness. Do you some breath work? Do you mindful body movement to connect your mind with your body? Why is this important? Because most of the stressful situations that we face cannot be solved overnight. And you cannot afford to keep your body on high alert for weeks until you feel like you're in a perfect place. You know, just because you are obsessively thinking about something does not mean that you're handling it. Take care of your body by teaching it that it does not need to turn on the stress response all the time because we know that being in overdrive having the stress hormones the cortisol the adrenaline constantly present in your body is not healthy for you in the long term and acute stress is okay that stress response has its job but then there's no way you can justify having your stress response turned on for two three four weeks and I've used mindfulness to go through some of the most stressful situations and it really does help. I'm currently putting together a beginner's course on this, which will be out soon, but you can still access apps like Insight Timer and Calm and they have audios on breathwork. So after getting clear on what is it that you're scared of, looking for solutions around it, after doing mindfulness, the third technique is to get a support system. Talk to someone about what you're experiencing. Maybe they can help you or they could even offer some fresh perspective. There could also be a sounding board of some sort where you get to hear your own ideas. And the last technique is that with most anxiety disorders, you need to work on the underlying issue. And this is best done in therapy. You can take anger management classes, conflict resolution and all that. But unless you deal with the root cause, you'd only be treating symptoms. So get yourself to therapy. That is the place you can learn to challenge negative beliefs. If you have phobias, you can use systemic desensitization with the help of your therapist. Or if need be, you can be put on medication, but just go to therapy. It's not as scary. As some of us think, it's it's actually a friendly place. So there you have it. We have looked at situational anxiety and how a disorder can come about. I have a book recommendation for you. One of the best books I've read this year. And although it does have some not so mainstream information in the first chapter or so, it contains the basic tenets of life. It's so easy to read and it took me a day to finish. The title is The Wisdom of Insecurity by Alan Watts. Great book, this one. If you would like general scientific information on stress, then read Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers by Robert Sapolsky. This book is for those who need to understand the effects of stress from the scientific point of view, which means if you're already experiencing too much anxiety and tension, then that will not be the best book for you. Just read Wisdom of Insecurity. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode. And if there's someone that you thought of while listening to it, that means they will greatly benefit from it. So do share it with them. And I'd love to hold conversations with you on the same or something else. So please do send me a DM at Usna Living. That's on Instagram and Facebook. My website is www.usnaliving.com.